Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yep. What up, what up, what up? I'm your host, Serge Vicente, and you are listening to the FIGHT podcast. This is episode 88 Man, we're moving right along today. Today, today, we have a great episode for you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Honestly, one of one of the best times I've had recording, man. I had a great time. Um, but before I get to that and let you guys know everything that we have going on today, remember, the Vibe Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, share. We are currently everywhere podcasts are available. So that's Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, and everywhere else in between. Everywhere farm few between man we're all around so check us out today all right boom um today i had the pleasure again having brandon camille join me on this episode we had a great conversation man um it was a lot of fun and this is all of our boxing news of the week we had an opportunity to talk about the politics of boxing what is going on? Is it good for the sport? Is it bad for the sport? We talked about everything from Chris Eubanks. Um, we talked about the heavyweights. And we even had an opportunity to go ahead and have a great time and talk about the big time UFC 235 pay-per-view that's actually going on this weekend. So we talked MMA. We talked boxing. We argued. We laughed. We clowned each other. I'm telling you, man, this is one of the best episodes that we have had here in the Fight Podcast. Um, without further ado, this is Boxing News 5 with Brandon Camille. Enjoy. What up, man? Serge, what's good? How are you? Doing very well, Brandon, man. How's your day going, bro? Man, I cannot complain. Cannot complain up here in Boston. Another day, another dollar. There it is, man. There it is, bro. Well, hey, man. Always a pleasure you joining me again, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time as always. Man, uh, yo, dude, th- this week has been uh, not as eventful as some weeks, but in the same time, man, there's been some, there's been some, still some fire stuff going on. I can't say whether it was eventful or not, but we damn sure have a lot to cover today. <laughs> yeah, we do, man. Well, look, uh, yo, how, how's life treating you out there in Boston, man? 
life in Boston, I, I'm not really a fan of Boston. So, I mean, life in Boston is always kind of, eh. I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Um, the Celtics are struggling, which is kind of cool. I'm a Knicks fan, so the Boston fans come sit on the couch with me. <laughs> I'm about to say, man. Hey, hey, the Knicks and the Bulls, all of them, they could all hang out together. But you guys had Jordan. Like, no one ever feels bad for the Bulls doing bad because <laughs> y'all had Jordan. And though that's like, I guess, 30 years ago at this point, yeah, it's still man. like, y'all had Jordan. Y'all had some very – y'all had the – glory years not just glory years y'all had the glory years so and i and i I miss him i miss him every day y'all never won a championship but you guys still had derrick rose years i don't really feel bad for you guys (laughs) well look i i get it man look i i I quietly cheer for the knicks man the knicks were always one of those teams that i enjoyed i'm not gonna stunt now granted they've been pure doo-doo recently but i mean yo what can you do it's part of being a knicks fan Fam, how'd you feel about them uh, trading the unicorn? At first, I saw it and I was like, eh. But when you look at what it did for cap space, Porzingis is still pretty young. Who knows what a guy of that stature is going to do when he comes back with a torn ACL? It was what it was. Injury prone, and he he was he he wasn't playing. So automatically, our team gets a little bit better. We get the cap space for next season. I mean. Porzingis coming back off that torn ACL, we can't necessarily say that we're going to be able to build our franchise around him. And then it, it, it takes a long time to come back from an ACL injury. Like there's the comeback and then there's the mental comeback. So a lot of times you'll see players come back. Let's say an ACL takes nine months to heal. They come back and they just won't be themselves, especially bas- basketball players. It usually takes until the next season after they come back or sometimes two seasons down the line for them to really get back to themselves because coming back mentally from that type of injury that's really what it is all right man well look check it i'm gonna ask you this then man to to round out our our quick basketball conversation uh did, did, did the knicks get kd the knicks will get kd yeah there's really no you, you put the stamp no, on it there's nothing else for me to say as a knicks fan we're getting kd <laughs> like if, if i if i was not a knicks fan i'd probably just be like yeah that's cap we're not going to get kd i'm a knicks fan i'm riding with my guys we're going to get kd that's just what it is we're gonna get kd we're gonna draft zion we're gonna get Kyrie, <laughs> and then we're gonna have our own dream team next year that's what's yeah. happening. You can't tell me otherwise. No debates. Chicago, y'all niggas figure it out. <laughs> hey, hey, man. Hey, spoken like a true Knicks fan. I'm not mad at you, man. Hey, a look. true Knicks. A true Knicks. You're not a Knicks fan unless you're slightly delusional. It's just oh, that it, it no, comes no, no, with the territory. Not, not slightly delusional. You guys are bonkers. Like the Knicks Dennis haven't Jr. won since 1927, and y'all still be rocking like you guys have the best squad ever. We have the best team in terms of valuation. So that counts for something. <laughs> All right, man. Well, check it out. Speaking of delusional, and I'm using your words for this one in particular, we're just going to go ahead and roll right into it. And uh, the delusional one, Chris Eubanks Jr. went out there this past weekend and had a dominant win over James DeGale. Um I want to ask you this. Again, it was unanimous decision across the board. Um, pretty, pretty wide margins throughout. I actually also had it 117-109. Uh, is 
Chris Eubanks Jr. finally arrived as a legitimate elite competitor, especially in that super uh, middleweight division. So I was just talking about this mythical couch, right? Uh, the, <laughs> I told the Celtics they come sit down with the Knicks. They like what four game losing streak. Yep. I'm going to take my ass to that couch as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to be on that couch for a little bit because I got this all wrong. <laughs> and I'm, I hate the fact that I got this wrong because, you know, and you guys know at this point how I feel about Chris Eubank Jr. I cannot stand this man, but he won the fight. The judges scored it a lot closer than I think it was. Maybe the point deduction for uh, Chris Eubanks NFL tryouts that brought him a little bit closer. That was but a Chris solid double. I, I, I wasn't mad at it. it. It looked good. Yeah, I mean, he may be on the Bears next season. <laughs> um, I mean, he, hey man, he, our he, defense he, is nasty. From he what I hear, late, it was it was a legit. I'm dominating you. I'm physically imposing myself on you. So if you keep trying this holding shit, well, I'm just going to dump you on the floor and just show you that that's not going to fly or fight. He's like, I can take the point of deduction because I'm dominating the fight. Two knockdowns. I mean, it's it's it just is what it is. I mean, he it was a pretty dominant win. That being said, I do feel like it was a bit more of DeGale looking bad rather than Eubank looking good. And with a win like that, that's very unfortunate for Eubank. And that seems to be the general consensus amongst the boxing community. While they do give Eubank credit for the win, it seemed like more of a bad performance than DeGale than a good performance from Eubank. So, no, he's not a legitimate boxer yet. Still a younger guy, and he has a long time to make me a believer, as I once was. So, he, he needs... One more, at least one more win against a legitimate opponent. We spoke about potential opponents last week. One guy we did not mention that is more relevant now than he was during last week's con- uh, conversation is, I don't know if it's Anthony or Andre, but Darrell. Yeah. The Darrell, the, the Darrell brother, brother, uh, brother that fought this weekend, I believe yep. he took the WBC strap with that win. That's a good fight for Eubank. Now, the Darrell brother is a counter counterpuncher, and depending on where he's at physically at this point in his career, he can easily dominate that fight, or it could look a lot like the fight with DeGale looked. But I, I don't want to see these super ugly fights. I want to see something at least semi-exciting, or you know, if it's a, going to be a dominant win, I want to see it look a little bit better. It, it, that fight with DeGale was just ugly. It was not fun to watch at all. Even the knockdowns weren't too too fun to watch. There were a few moments. I will not lie. It's probably just me being critical of Eubanks. But overall, it was a pretty boring fight. There was just DeGale. His whole strategy was to pop shot, hold, pop shot, hold. And um, Eubanks continued to be the aggressor all night. He just looked younger. He really just looked younger, faster to the punch and uh, faster on his feet, really. All so, that being said, mm-hmm. being said, I just want to mention last week I did say that Eubank brought on a strategist. He actually did bring on for this fight a full-time trainer, um, Nate Vasquez from the Mayweather Gym. That's not Big Nate. They took all the pad work from Mayweather. This is another Nate from the Mayweather Gym 
Eubanks met him over there, picked him up as a trainer, and he had him as a trainer for this fight. Now, and you can tell me more about this having a little bit more experience or having experience at all in the fight game. (laughs) 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 Having having experience at all in the fight game, but it takes time, like more times than not years to really develop the chemistry you're going to need with a trainer. And so Nate Vasquez, this was his first fight with Eubank. I think it's great for them to have that fight under their belt. I didn't see much about Eubank that I could say that's where having a trainer benefited him. However, going forward, I do think having this one fight under their belt only helps them. All right, so I'm not going to stunt. I completely, because again, uh, for those of us who don't, who, who don't know, again, after the fight, we were texting each other back and forth, and I could tell you were hot. I knew you were hot, uh, especially after you bank one. So I was expecting you to come on here and continue ripping dudes. So, yo, bro, kudos to you for actually taking the time to cool out and go out there and actually give you banks the props he deserved. Eh, not as much as I would have liked, but still, I feel you. Um, look. I think that the and and I'm glad you brought up Nate Vasquez. I think actually having a full time trainer on somebody that has actually hones him now because he has never had that in his career. He's always been the one that pretty much is able to dictate what he's doing himself. Um, He only person you really has listened to in the past is his dad. And that's why he is and even his father said again he's great at brawling physically he's one of the most physically imposing characters in that division um but i think having a trainer helped him out a lot and so to answer your question does it take years and things like that to get that chemistry and stuff absolutely not they could get it off of one fight. They can get a groove and continue, you know, rocking out. A la, even though, again, I'm not going to compare their skill sets, but uh, Miguel Cotto and um, and Freddie Roach. That's uh, the first time they got together. You knew it was something special, right? And one thing that I saw from um, Chris Eubank, and again, the way I think about it is this. I believe 100% he is ready and he can be. And now with a trainer, he is elite. And the reason I'm going to say he's elite is this. Uh, and by the way, I think the Darrell fight honestly would be a great fight for his next fight also. I, I was actually I had that written down myself. Um, I think that would be a great fight to make. Somebody who's tough in the division and um, it, it, it would be a good fight again. It was just one of those measuring stick type of, type of fights. Um, but he did a couple now, things that, I, I, and I, I nah, man, say, bro, I I be letting you talk forever. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You interrupted me already. Go ahead, do your thing, fam. I, I damn near forgot what I was gonna say, but I was gonna say the Darrell fight isn't much of a measuring stick, but it would give him a belt if he's able to win that. That's all. And, and you know what, Darrell is again. He's a solid dude. He's a solid dude. He's had his issues. He's been up and down. But again, like you said, he has a belt and he's able to do that. Um. One thing that he did that I noticed in this fight, he was far more patient than I've ever seen him. And, and that is in Eubank, right? Um, a lot of times, and even though he did get himself brawling at a couple points in time where he was kind of winging shots, I also saw him throw far more straight, straight punches than I've ever seen also, which really... Again, that is working with a coach. And like I said, with time, with another fight under the belt, especially, like I said, another possibly two, I can see him, again, I don't want to say taking that division by storm because obviously you're right. We still have to see more. I want to see more. I want to see him with another step up. Now, in terms of the gal, 
you even saw at one point in time because Paul and Malinaji, who I think we both have a lot of respect for, um, was in his corner. <laughs> So yeah, a lot of he was in his corner, and and you and what he and you saw him a couple times in the corner when he got back in there. Say, what are you doing? You saw him physically yelling at the guy, like, what are you doing? But I really do believe that the power of Eubank made the gal not want to play anymore. So I think with his power and now his newfound patience, more and more importantly, I think his patience more than anything else. I think he is a problem for anybody in that weight class. A problem? I think my boy I never said he's going to win. I said he's oh. a problem. I don't think he's a problem for many people in that weight class. I, actually, I take that back. He could be a problem for some people. It's a relatively weak weight class right now. Okay. Someone like Caleb Plant, I do think, tunes him up real easy. So e- e- even the fact that somebody who is physically strong physically imposing has power that's always going to be a puzzle to to try to figure out so and here's the thing no matter how skillful you are look at tyson fury and deontay wilder and again i'm not comparing the two but if we're looking at somebody who has incredible footwork credible hands credible skill set there's always that 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 chance that you can get hit in the mouth and if you get hit in the mouth by somebody like a Chris Eubank that could actually crack, again, it's a problem for anybody. You always have to have that in the back of your mind, no matter how skillful you are. So that's why he's going to be a problem in that weight class, no matter who he competes against. I think you're overstating some of his power and speed. Yes, he's powerful. I didn't say jack yes, about speed. Yeah. Oh, well, those physical attributes, I think you're overstating them. Okay. Deontay okay. Wilder has historical power like 100 power eubank has power that may not even be the best in the division maybe it's top five but we don't we don't know that so some of his skills i think you're overstating them a bit on how they complicate a fight physicality he's somebody who is physical he's somebody who can take a shot and again, no matter who you are, I don't care if you have ungodly Thor-like power like Deontay Wilder or you're just somebody who can crack um, at that weight class. If you got power, you got power, and it's always going to deter a, a, an opponent. It's always something to think about. Even Floyd Mayweather, when he was out there against people who he, he knew had more power, again, that's something that he had to think about. So I'm not saying that it's going to be the thing that I don't believe I'm overstating it. I'm just saying that, that those are the, the reasons why he can, especially now with somebody who's actually starting to legitimately coach him up, he can learn how to utilize that power and, again, set people up, use traps, and be more patient. Again, we don't know what he's going to bring to the table because we've never seen him with an actual trainer. So now that we have that, I'm just going all based off the intangibles, and he does have intangibles. Intangibles as... Is del- being delusional and intangible? I believe that is. Hey, man. Um, hey, hey, <laughs> I, I, I believe that, that, that's all, all, Hey, you know what? All fighters, all you, competitors have to be delusional to an, to an extent. That That's cool. If you if we want to find all of these things out, how good is your power? How good is your, your chin? Put him in there with David Lemieux. Lemieux will stand there, and I'm sure you'll stand there with him. That We will find out that night how good your power is and how good your chin is. Perfect. Hey, honestly, I'm with you. I think that would be a great one. Man. I think that would be a great fight, and um, it would be a good test for him. Uh, all right, moving right along. Because, again, we got a lot to get to, and honestly, neither of us really care too much about uh, 
<laughs> about the girl and you bank but we wanted to talk about it man i had i had to bring it up um yeah i was at a baby shower this weekend just uh, streaming the fight and everybody would see me and just kind of make a face like really brandon and i looked at them and say yeah yeah, man, like damn straight. <laughs> All right, man. So check this out, and this is something that you and I both thought of, or we 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 discussed again um, beforehand and again throughout the week while this stuff was happening. We touched on it slightly the last time around, uh, but I kind of want to double back and really dive into it. So we already know now that because of the signing of Deontay uh, of um, Tyson Fury with top ranking ESPN. That fight with Deontay Wilder has now been postponed. Who do you believe is most at fault? And are boxing politics ruining the sport? And I'm going to throw it to you first, man, because, again, this is something I know you're passionate about, man. So so what's up? Yeah, man. Very passionate. Just trigger warning on this one, because... I just ugh, this killed me. This really killed me. It, it hurt me to the to my soul. This whose fault is it? Let's start there. And I think you asked that knowing whose fault it is, but you just want to hear me talk about it. So I'm gonna give you that satisfaction. I Fam, have I threw it up there. I, I I threw the oop up there for we, you, man. <laughs> we know we know whose fault it is. We know this is all Tyson Fury's fault. I don't want to hear anything else. I, I I have not heard anything else. Maybe you can say, maybe you can justify his decision, but there is no confusion that this is on Tyson Fury. Now, I have no problem with you signing the deal with Top Rank and Frank Warren. Go get your money. That's fine. But network-wise, platform-wise, Wilder is a free agent. He signs one-off deals similar to Dylan White on the network that he fights on. He was more than happy to work with Top Rank and ESPN to make this fight happen. 100%. This was a rematch that everybody believed was going to happen, but everybody believed it needed to happen. And for once, we were like, hey, these guys need to fight. Boxing is going to get it right. An immediate rematch. Great. And then Fury's like, hey, I'm going to take a tune-up fight. A tune-up fight? Fury, fuck this lineal champion bullshit. You do not have a fucking belt. You do not have a belt. You cannot call yourself a champion. Yes, you had your, your mental breakdown. You were doing all this cocaine and shit, but you cannot... That part of being a boxing champion is carrying yourself inside and outside of the ring. That's why you do not have a belt because you lost that belt because you weren't able to live the life of a champion. And that's okay. But you cannot just walk away from title shots. That's not a thing that people do. You have a title shot that is there waiting for you. There's so many guys in the heavyweight division that are dying for a title shot. You cannot just piss off a title shot because hopefully, I'm hoping that it does not come back to you. What should happen, ideally, let's say AJ beats Miller, something that most people think will happen except for you. That's fine at the moment. <laughs> but that, that, that's fine at the moment. I'm rocking with the underdog, man. I'm that's, rocking with that, the American. That's fine. That's fine. Diff- different debate. AJ wins, right? Wilder, why does Wilder go after Fury? 
why would Wilder go after Fury when you now have the guy that you wanted all along with the three belts? So let's unify. Let's go undisputed. But now Fury's left out of that mix, and I don't think he... I mean, I don't think they may, they should make it easy on him to find a way back in. And, I mean, who does ESPN really have? Pulev, like, I mean, Man, ESPN doesn't have the heavyweights. that talk. ESPN Tell doesn't have, have the heavyweights to make really any competitive fights happen. Now, we are, are, are really just getting expo- exposed to Fury and his ways. However, this really is typical Fury behavior from what I'm hearing. Leading up to the Klitschko fight, he did bullshit like this all of the time when it came to fighting big names. So this is really nothing new for Fury. It's just our first exposure to, you know, him doing essentially some bitch ass shit. (laughs) Now, I I think I think this is absolutely terrible, 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 terrible for Deontay Wilder. And I'm, I'm in pain for that guy. A lot yeah. of people say he got d- dominated the first fight. He he said, "Okay, we got to draw. Run it back. Run it right back." That's what a champion is supposed to do. That's what Mayweather Mayweather did. That's what other champs have done in situations where people said, "Hey, they might have lost." Okay, run it back. He was ready to do that. Where is Fury when the time comes? All right, he is not all right, there. all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Here, get get your last point across. Go ahead. I think it's very possible because Fury has such a mouthpiece that he did this knowing that Wilder will probably fight Dominic Brazil, who's his mandatory, who even, I believe it's the WBC said, okay, no, this rematch needs to happen. You have to step aside. They'll probably rescind that. I see the Brazil fight happening, which I believe Wilder will win. AJ wins the Miller fight. If they start negotiating and they're able to make a fight happen, I know Fury's going to say, okay, I'm trying to fight Wilder. Now he's running. No one one wants to fight me. Shut the fuck up. He better not try that shit. He better not try that shit. All right, so check it out. And, and, oh, I didn't get get to answer the question. It's terrible for boxing. A huge black eye on the sport. And with Fury constantly wanting to speak about legacy, when do you consider the impact that you're having on the sport of boxing? Hey, so check it out, man. Um, 100%. I'm with you. And again, we discussed this a little bit before, but this is all Tyson Fury. Just like I blame Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua on Anthony Joshua, because one thing that Lennox Lewis even said himself, and this is one of the greatest heavyweight champions of all time. This is the greatest European champion, the greatest British champion, especially of all time. And this is in my humble opinion. We're talking about Lennox Lewis. Lennox even said if Anthony Joshua legitimately wanted that fight with Deontay Wilder, no matter what his manager said, no matter what his promoter said, that fight would have happened. So when I look at this, all I can think of is this. And I, and I spoke about this, and I think that's why I'm a little bit quiet on it, because um, I spoke about it on the uh, I was so pissed off about it. I spoke about it on the last episode uh, of the fight podcast, um, our fight news portion of the um of the show because I was so pissy about it but if it's a money thing because this seems like it's all about the money at this point in time yo Tyson Fury this is about the money maybe your goofy butt shouldn't have gave away your whole purse last time around maybe you shouldn't have done that he had the opportunity he had the boxing world at the palm of his hands he was by far 
the most popular and famous boxer in the world after that fight. He surpassed Anthony Joshua. He surpassed Canelo. Everybody in Britain, if you ask people in Britain, they have polls and everything. The British were riding with Tyson Fury. Everybody was riding with that dude. Um, and the fact that he went out there and now you're going to take a warm-up fight? What? Against who? Some bum that we don't care about? Okay, you want a warm-up fight? You want to go to top rank? <sighs> Is Luis Ortiz over there? Last time I saw him, he fought for top rank and, and, and them at ESPN, right? No? Nah, he's, no, no, he's he was, he was over Showtime. there with uh, Showtime. Damn. Yeah, I was going to say, I was gonna say, take that then. If you, if you that he's, fighting the, he's fighting this weekend, actually. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, we can talk about that. He's gonna win. There it is. <laughs> um, Easiest but, topic ever. Yeah, absolutely. There it is. W. Uh, but the fact that he had an opportunity to fight, and again, this—if this was for legacy, Tyson Fury. If you were really, I'm talking to Tyson Fury directly. Tyson Fury. If you talk so much about legacy. And how you are the greatest. Yeah, I'm the greatest of this era. I'm blah, blah, blah. I was named after Mike Tyson. Yo, just like Mike Tyson, I'm going to start calling you overrated. And the reason I'm going to say that is this. He went in there because now I can't stunt. This seems scary to me. I went in there. I got by by the skin of my teeth. I had a draw. The majority of the consensus is that I won. I felt his power. I fought the best I can possibly fight. And I know for a fact that he did not. If I go out there again and he is an iota better than he was today, I lose that fight. So now I can go in the media and say, yo, I'm the best guy out here. They don't want this fight. I can say I I can dictate whatever it is. And that's not what he's doing. But we all know. He had an opportunity. And here's the thing. And again, you and I spoke about this before. How bananas is it that Showtime, Deontay Wilder, and everybody else on that side of it were about to announce that fight coming up? They saw it happening. They knew it was coming. And they were preparing to release the commercial. They were going to start marketing it. This blindsided everybody. And honestly, it comes off as pussy to me. Real talk. This is one of the most trash things I've ever seen. And again, to go back to the original question, are politics ruining boxing? 100%. And this is why, and I stand on this. This is why MMA is the best sport in the world. MMA is the best sport in the world because we don't have this problems. The best fight the best regardless. And if you're not going to fight the best, guess what? Look at Colby Covington right now. L- look at look at Tony Ferguson. People who legitimately had an opportunity to win a title and fight for a title. They turned down the fight and you know what the MMA God said? Cool. That's how you feel? Kick rocks, nerd. Back of the line. They keep the party going in MMA, and this is why, in my humble opinion, again, I think boxing over the last two years has had two better years than MMA has. But if I look at the totality of it, and now the fact that MMA is on ESPN, I'm not talking about just the UFC. I'm talking about the PFL as well. You got MMA, you got the PFL and the UFC, two of the largest organizations in the world. Now they're on the worldwide leader. One championship also is now on TNT. 
on top of Bellator being on the Paramount Network and on the Zone. This is why MMA kicks boxing's ass right now. This is a travesty. I'm so sad for boxing that this happened. And more importantly, I feel bad for Deontay Wilder. He deserved this fight. And one thing I salute Deontay Wilder for is because nobody can ever say he's ducked anybody. Go ahead, man. What's your, what, do you, what do you feel? You, want, you got anything else to round this out? Because I think we're both kind of pissy about this. I, I, I agree with the fact that Deontay Wilder has never ducked anyone, and this type of stuff continues to happen to him. I think it will have Um He went after AJ. That fight didn't happen. Luis Ortiz didn't happen the first time. So Wilder has continued to chase these big fights, and they continue to elude him. We see it here once again. Yeah, that was a lot of MMA smoke. I am not here for all that shit. Not at all. A lot of smoke. Uh, all this MMA is better than boxing. I get it. I get your energy. MMA has their own issues on the fighter side. So while boxers, the business of boxing, hey, man. hey don't, don't don't you come out here. Away, don't you come out here does, trying to hit me with some to get away. With, with some random MMA points that you are just not heard going once. To get, MMA fighters are not getting paid like boxers. That's not a random point that, that, I've, no, that I've heard once. No, that, and I'm going to disagree with you here. Because here's the thing. The top boxers, but there's so many boxers who fight also who aren't getting paid jack. All right? But so, there's a lot a lot more boxers that are, getting, are, that are clearing seven-figure paydays than there are UFC fighters. Because once you get down Could to Bellator, you stop calling not, MMA fighters no, UFC I, I was, fighters? I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I, I was going to clarify that. I, I learned a little bit. I was about to clarify for you because of no one in, the, in Bellator is clearing million-dollar paydays yet. That's why I said UFC because they're the only people with the ability right now to pay out a, a million-dollar payday, and they rarely do it. You can probably count on your hands how many fighters in the U- – on one hand, how many fighters in the UFC are getting million-dollar paydays. They release the fight purses, and a lot of the top fighters in the UFC just don't make that money. Mm-hmm. They're not paying their fighters. I don't know where the money is going. Boxing it's going directly there, to has, there has to be at least 15 fighters mm-hmm. that are getting million dollar paydays. We're talking about if Danny Garcia fights, he's making a million dollars. 100 percent At least. 100 percent But again, but the but the conversation isn't about the 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 how much these fighters are getting paid. We're talking about is the offended. politics of I boxing. Was offended. You can be offended, <laughs> but don't keep me with no sound bites to just try to, to argue it back. No, man. The, it's like I said. It is what it is. And here's the thing. The politics of boxing are legitimately the reason why MMA has surpassed it. And again, you're talking about somebody, and you know this for a fact. I love boxing. I love boxing. But I'm looking at it, and again, I was the guy way back in the day before I started competing in MMA was sitting there saying, like, nah, boxing all day. What is it? What are those guys doing? Who cares about it? Whatever. I was one of the main people saying that. I was one of the main people championing uh, boxing. But when you look at it, what happened? Yes, it's true. There, A lot of them don't get paid they, 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 as much as they need to. And again, you've listened to my show, all my listeners. I speak consistently on how MMA fighters need a union. I always talk about that. But that does not stop the fact that the sport itself of boxing is hurting because you have too much nonsense going on from the promoters it, it, it's a travesty man and it's really really hurting this this game that all of us love both sports could really benefit from one governing body one they really could yeah yeah no, you're 100 I, I i agree with you totally man well, yo check it out 
We're going to take a quick break. We want to go ahead and we got to pay some bills. We got to go ahead and holler at the sponsors and everything. But we will be right back. Man, I hope you guys are enjoying that episode. We'll be right back with that. But before then, remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. Follow me at Serge Vicente. Go ahead and follow Brandon Camille as well. And remember, support the show by checking me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, and share. We are everywhere podcasts reside. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and everywhere else. All right. Let's go ahead and jump right back into the show. Boy, I tell you, that felt flawless. <laughs> It worked out fine. That's what it is, man. Yo, uh, let, let any any final thoughts um, about uh, Fury and the the state of the politics in boxing? Fury, fuck him. <laughs> um, do you believe that this fight is actually eventually going to happen? And do you care if it does or doesn't? I believe that it will. I don't want it to, honestly. I think that. I, I wish the top boxers would just blackball Fury. He doesn't deserve to be involved right now. Mm-hmm. The, the, having a strap in boxing, that is a huge honor. Even though there's four belts for every division, it's still a huge honor to carry one of those straps. And th- there's one that's a bit lesser than the other three. I can't remember. I think it's WBA. Yeah, it depends. I feel like it depends. I mean, the Ring Magazine is always going to be fire. WBO is always fire. Or should I say WBC? I'm sorry. Um, yeah, w, WBC, WBA, and IBF. Yeah, I, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like it's the w, WBA. It's between the IBF and the WBA. Yeah. It, it's still a huge honor to carry a belt. You cannot just walk away from a title shot. I really don't even know what a lineal champion is. But I mean, I mean you can't well, you cannot walk away from a title shot. You don't have a belt. So how can you call yourself a how can you even think about calling yourself a champion so, when you are walking away from title opportunities? So just to play devil's advocate, I understand where you're coming from with that one, but again, just to play devil's advocate, um the lineal champion um is obviously the, the man who beat the man who beat the man. Tyson Fury was the one who beat the man. He beat uh, um, Klitschko when Klitschko had all the belts. Um, and then, and he has yet to lose. So that's why, for again, and this is just for those who don't know. I know you know this, but those who don't know, that is why he, everyone continues to call him the lineal champion. He is yet to lose the belt. He is yet to lose a fight. And that's why they say call him the lineal champ. What was that? Uh, I can't hear that, you, brother. That, there that's you go. what I thought, yeah. but I actually didn't have a, a clear definition on what the lineal champ was. But yes, you beat the man, but the man has since been beat, and now you're running away from the best. Go somewhere. Yeah. Go, no, go somewhere. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. But that that's why he's technically still – he's yet to lose. And again, he was the guy who beat him. I mean, it, it, I, I always felt like Tyson Fury was a gamer. He always came off like he was a gamer. He, he portrays being a gamer. 
But the more I see it, I mean, yo, he plays the game just like anybody else, man. It's kind of sad to see. Um, all right, moving on to people who play the game. Boy, these segues. I'm getting better at these damn things. All right. Uh, Golden Boy has filed tampering charges against the money team for attempting to court Ryan Garcia. Is this just gamesmanship by the two mega promoters? Or is this just another thing wrong with boxing politics? Since we talking about boxing politics. Yeah. Do you want to take this one first? I'm taking all of them first. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. All right. I, I, hey, bro, I have talked a lot this week. <laughs> fair. Fair, fair, fair. And again, people listen to this episode not to listen to me, man. Come on. We, we bring we bring young Brandon Camille on. For, not for me, for you, bro. Let's get it in. They want to listen right. to you. I got you. I got you. I, I got you. I would not say this is another thing wrong with boxing politics. It's really just some bitch ass shit in general. Just <laughs> we we've stopped speaking about this culture of bitch assness, but it really is a thing. Like bitch assness is a culture, and this is at the top level. The elite bitch asses. That's where this is. And uh, do you have the best interest for your fighter? Because I don't think this is what Ryan Garcia wanted. And it makes Ryan Garcia look like a bitch in the court of public opinion. And for someone who's trying to build a fighter, that matters. I don't know if if, if Delahoya just hasn't moved with the times and some of the things on social media and the dynamics. He just does not understand the same. <laughs> but this really does come back badly it doesn't matter what we think of De La Hoya, but it does matter what we think of Ryan Garcia and it comes back bad on him now why this is some bitch ass shit because you're cool with Ryan Garcia when he wants to call out people but now Mayweather responds and now there's a problem because Mayweather put your fighter in danger of getting knocked the fuck out on a, on a big stage because Ryan Garcia he's He's not clearing these two hundred thousand dollar paydays, potentially on a million a million dollar payday, which is an offer I believe Mayweather would have accepted to make that fight happen. Now, Garcia is not seeing that type of money, so that's that's a big opportunity for him, and that's outside of his fight purse. Yeah. So we're not talking, you know, we're not, we're not talking about Davis. We're talking about Roley, who is Roley. a fighter, who, who is a fighter that should be closer to. Ryan Garcia's level. And if you're looking to elevate his level of opposition, I think Roley is a good stepping stone if Ryan Garcia is who you say he is. Now, what this tells me, the man may not be what you say he is. He's a Roley is a is a young fighter. He has less fights than Ryan Garcia. He, if Ryan Garcia, this is a perfect opportunity if Ryan Garcia is who you say he is. So it looks terrible terrible um on, on the behalf of on, on golden boy everyone on that side robert Gar- robert garcia i'm mean, not robert garcia de la Hoya, um eric gomez i believe it is and ryan garcia they all lose fucking they caught this bitch assness disease yeah that it, it looks bad on boxing but it's not more of a boxing politics thing it's just bitch assness i'm sorry 
so I so okay so for those of us who don't know uh when we say Roly we're talking about uh Rolando Florencio Romero the third all right that's his full name uh but Roly uh he is a money team uh Floyd Mayweather disciple he's one of those guys and here's the thing there's a reason why he's calling him out this is somebody who has sparred Ryan Garcia on multiple occasions and the word on the street is, is he put the flux on Ryan Garcia. The video on the street. Every time. Yo, the video is hilarious. And, and so here's the thing. This is, and again, this I think brings me to a bigger problem of boxing. And I'm going to go back to boxing politics. Um, I agree. Is it bitch assness? Yes. Yes, we can say that. But again, I'm looking more towards the boxing politics. Boxers... I'm so tired, and this is this this rub from Floyd Mayweather. What is wrong with losing a fight? Seriously. If you're fighting the best people who are available to you at the time, the best people in the world, what is wrong with a loss? Everyone holds that O so carefully, and what ends up happening is that people, Oscar de la Hoya, is trying to protect his fighter for an extended period of time. So you end up getting these inflated records of 30 plus an O, when realistically they really haven't fought anybody real. That is a problem. Who cares if somebody takes a loss early in their career? If they fought the best possible person. And one thing that I love about what Lomachenko did is, yes, he has he was somebody who won multiple gold medals. He was somebody who had over 300 amateur fights. But he's also somebody, his first professional fight, he said, you know what? I want to fight the best. And he fought for a belt. His first fight. And guess what? He lost. A lot of the majority of us think he won that fight. But he took an L. And not only did he go ahead and take an L, he has an opportunity. Again, he took an L that he's won ever since. And he only has what? He doesn't, not even, not even close to 20, close, 20 fights. He has a loss of his record. 12, 12, I believe. Yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. We still look at him as the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And okay, let, let's see if, if, if Ryan Garcia right now fights Roley, right? Ryan Garcia takes a loss. But they both continue to grow. And they both end up being monsters. Because they're young. They're monsters in the next five years. Both of the games have, have evolved and changed. They both have belts. And now you have a legitimate opportunity for a real super fight. Where guys are still young and ready to go. But the politics of boxing doesn't allow us to get these amazing possible events because everybody wants to inflate their records and everyone wants to protect their O. Who cares? Who cares if you take a loss, man? This is combat sports. Everybody gets touched. It is what it is. Now, in terms of Ryan Garcia, seemingly, I, and I, I do got a little beef with Ryan Garcia. You know where you get your money. You know where you get paid. He comes off as somebody who is being unloyal. Hanging out with Floyd Mayweather and those guys and stuff like that. Oh, man. And not, I'm not saying that he, he's training with Canelo, but kicking it with Floyd. He seems like his character can start coming into question. But we could also chalk it up to he's young. And he's dumb. He don't know no better. He's just trying to kick it where, where the party was. We can say that, but at the end of the day, 
You get paid by Golden Boy. I don't know, man. Uh, Just a a, a, a quick point of clarification. He fought for not a big four belt, but a belt in his first fight. He took the fight for the belt in his second fight, which he lost against Orlando Salido. And as, you know, okay-ish as Orlando Salido was throughout his career, always known to give us an exciting fight, we will never, we, we will never, ever confuse him with Lomachenko, even though he beat Lomachenko, but we will never confuse the two. And if they fought again, but, everybody would but pick again, Lomachenko. We're, we're out, but the, but the point is that when that fight actually took place, we still did. We knew who Salido was. We still didn't know who Lomachenko. And again, that's the thing. Who cares about a loss? Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. Do you know who Lomachenko fought in his third professional fight? I thought this was a few fights further. Tevin Farmer. No, no, he hasn't fought Tevin Farmer. Not Tevin Farmer. Um, what's his name? Oh man, uh, was it Gary Russell Jr.? Was it that fight? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Gary Russell. Yeah, Jr. that's what I meant to say. Yeah, dude. A lot of a lot of you listening probably don't know who he is because we kind of tune out under 130 pounds. But Gary Russell Jr. is a complete dog. He suffers from inactivity. He probably fights about once a year. But he looks like a ninja. When you talk about hand speed, Gary Russell Jr. is on another level. And he moves like a real gangster. He don't say too much. He just show up for work, do his (laughs) job, and you'll see you in next year. Hey, he's one of my favorites, man. Dude is a a legit animal. One of the most skilled boxers out right now. If you have not seen him, uh, be good looking. I'm glad you talked about Buddy because dude is incredible. And again, here's the thing. Talking about a loss. He lost to Lomachenko. They didn't protect him. They threw him to Loma, right? He took a loss and we still look at him like he's great. That doesn't stop us from looking at him like, and again, I was talking about Tevin Farmer. Tevin Farmer's another one. Somebody who, in the beginning of his career, didn't didn't come out. He started boxing late. Didn't come out with a, um, off of an Olympic bid or a, a swaggy amateur record. None of that. Took some hard fights from the beginning. He's pretty much training himself. Took a couple losses and threw Pure grit, determination. He has made himself into one of the best fighters in the world. And we don't give a damn about his losses. He wasn't protected. We need more fighters like that. We need more throwback fighters. And again, I think that's my issue with all this stuff. I think Tevin Farmer's a bad analogy because though he took some losses in the beginning of his career, he wasn't one of these highly touted prospects. So but a that's fighter what, like That's what I'm Tevin, talking about, though. But again, he's but, still somebody who took losses, though. That that's yeah, the he, point. He, he, he took losses and he's built himself back. But where from where you're coming from, I think the pressure is more on the highly touted prospects who we know have talent before going pro and who are at that level where they can challenge top level boxers when they first come in. I, I think that's pretty rare. Lomachenko won three Olympics. His skill was on another level, but it's not many fighters that have the opportunity to do that in their first fight. Now. Where you start to reach a point where they can is probably around, let's say, eight to ten fights in. Now they've developed a little bit and they, you can start to see that, OK, they're a bit more ready. But it's going to be another 10 to 15 fights before their promoter is going to even tr- think to put them in there with top level opposition. And, and that's where the issue is. Because exactly. by the, if they're ready by fight 10, OK, maybe wait a few more fights, but by 13, 14, put the kid in there. Let let him grow up. 
if he is ready, he or she, if they're ready, let them grow up. And the women, they're doing a good job. Because Shields and Hammer, they're going to fight. They're fighting. They're going to fight. That is the best fighting the best. And maybe because it's just not that many in women's boxing to choose from. But that is an example of the best fighting the best. What what does Shields have? Like seven fights? Yeah, eight, I think. Yeah, she fought. She fought for. She must have fought for a world title in her fourth fourth fight, and she has consistently fought the best. There, women's boxing, it's a bit different. So you know, it's hard to compare it with the talent pool and different levels of boxers as there are in men's fighting. It's getting better though. It's it's getting better, but just an opportunity to see the best so willing to fight the best. And shout out to uh, you know you know Hammer because you know she took the fight and she's been around. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, man. No, I I think the biggest issue again, forget about the tampering and the nonsense and all the games because I mean, look, those are games. That's all that is. That's just games. It's Delahoya being petty because Delahoya is super petty. And I'm gonna be honest with you, Delahoya. I think you're 100 correct in the terms of and the shade that I got for De La Hoya because look, he is so out of touch. He is so out of touch. It's ridiculous. Look at what he did with that garbage Chuck Liddell Tito Ortiz fight. Look what he's how he's only only person that he's handled well. Aside from his buddies that promote with him now, is Canelo Alvarez, because that's who the only person he needs to care about. So it is what it is, man. All right. Uh, any last thoughts on that? He should have consulted B-Hop. I don't think B-Hop would condone that shit. I- I'm with you. I think B-Hop would have been like, yo, you're coming off like a bitch ass. <laughs> I feel like that's the only person that's constantly checking De La Hoya, but I feel like B-Hop is damn near assigned to Canelo rather than working for Golden Boy, even though I know he's a Golden Boy exec. It almost seems like he's only assigned to developing uh, Canelo. But yeah, yeah I-, I think he... B-Hop got to check him. Hey, that sounds like some bitch-ass shit. I don't know who else is going to tell you, but I'll tell you, Facts. that sounds like you about to do some bitch-ass shit, and I don't think you should do it. Facts, man. I, I 100%. All right, man. Um, This week, talking about actually some positive fights that are actually, actually, fights that are actually happening with the best actually fighting the best. Two of the best at 160 pounds, the best middleweights in the world, Canelo Alvarez and Danny Jacobs. They square off for the first time yesterday in the press conference. They will be fighting later on this year on DAZN. Uh, that'll be the Cinco de Mayo fight. Um, look, this is a highly touted fight. This is two of the best fighting the best. Um, what are your early predictions for this one, man? You know, I'm not into like fashion, fashion. But hey, I'm man, that fashion. was both swag. I'm, I'm in the fashion. I'm not not fashion, fashion, but I'm in the fashion. Daniel Jacobs, Ooh, he came through <laughs> yesterday. He came through with the boldest pinstripes you might see this year. Fact. He he came through flawless. Shout out to the tailor. I yeah, mean, man. Yo, Daniel hey, Jacobs, hey, don't get don't don't knock Canelo, man. Hey, yo, that that turtleneck was fire, bro. Now, he was out there. They, they both went out there fly, man. That was like the flyest <laughs> press conference I've seen in a minute. Now here's the thing with Canelo. Canelo, he 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 looked straight. He showed up. He did what he was supposed to do. That's an outfit I might have put together. Daniel Jacobs, <laughs> he 
<laughs> my guy showed up even to the Stan Smiths. And I've always liked Daniel Jacobs. He's been a good dresser, but he came through for that press conference ready. Yeah, you I mean, right. shout out to the tailor. That, that's the first thing I have written down, that my I man, had to shout out the tailor. My man's came out out there with his dapper Dan on, man. He was out there looking fly, man. I'm not going to lie. Good, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> uh, Canelo, he, he, he wore a nice, nice looking suit. But, uh, you know, it, it, round one of that, I would say he lost to uh, Daniel Jacobs. <laughs> now, uh, uh, I agree. Now, I let you have... Um, I let you have Miller, you know. I I, I let you, I, I I let you do that. So I'm picking Daniel Jacobs for this fight. You can't um, come back. You can't I, come I can't, back home. I, I, I can't. I can't <laughs> come back. So I think Jacobs presents a different challenge. But there are some questions that we need answered. And there's always questions that we need answered. It seems like with Cadello because it seems like he's been fighting Triple G forever. Ooh. But. Does Jacob ha- Jacobs have the chin that Triple G has? Because Triple G stood up to some monstrous shots consistently uh, from Canelo. Now, we also need to know, how does Jacobs stand up against some of that body work? Canelo right now has the best body work in boxing. By far. He goes to the body. They love to say he- he's going to the body like it has candy in it. He, and he does it well. It's something I love to see in a fighter, and I don't see it often. Errol Spence, notable mention. Honorable mention. He's incredible at it also, I was about to say. Yeah, honorable, honorable mention. Now, Canelo has never fought an elite boxer of that size. I mean, Rocky Fielding? No, sir. Bye. Triple G, okay. Daniel Jacobs is larger than tri- Triple G. Not, not by a lot, but he is larger. Triple G is also a lot more of a brawler. He will stand there in front of you. Okay, he showed a little bit of a jab. Shout out last fight. Shout out to him for that. But he's going to stand there in front of you. It's not going to be too hard to find Triple G. You also have something else coming back at you. So that's something to consider as well. Now, Daniel Jacobs, he's a much better boxer. He's a boxer puncher. He has power, but he has a very high level of boxing IQ. He's going to use the ring. He's going to use a lot of the, a lot of the different punch combinations. So he's a, a boxer that we of this size that we have not seen Canelo in there with. So there's a few questions that we need answered on both sides. But I have Jacobs by knockout because if I'm going to pick Jacobs – you just can't pick against Canelo and pick decision because that's just not going to happen. Man, we know that. 100%. So if, if you're if, if I'm going to pick Jacobs, I'm not given the option to pick by a decision. So I have to pick knockout because that's the only way that Jacobs wins because Canelo's not losing on the cards. Come on now, they if they might pay, pay a judge to just make Canelo lose on the cards, no matter what the fight looks like, because he has such a bad reputation for getting gifts from the judges yeah um so this fight is compelling to say the least right best fight in boxing that's currently on the calendar 100 percent, by far um i I would say this would have only been second to wilder fury too but hey we know that's not actually gonna happen now so but yeah this is by far the best this best fight coming up that's on the calendar um Two of the best, man. And and I love when the best actually do fight the best. And I know we've been ripping boxing left and right. But remember, these are guys who are all technically under still the same promotional banner. 
So if that happens, we just got lucky that that happened, you know, that they were there. Because let's be honest, and again, kind of doubling back to that last conversation, we should be seeing Terrence Crawford fighting Errol Spence Jr. We should be seeing Mikey Garcia fighting Lomachenko. But we're not seeing that right now because of the goofy politics in boxing. We still fortunately have great fights, but we're not seeing the ones we really want. Um, this one is one that I actually really wanted to see. Um, Canelo's incredible. I think he has grown a lot over the years, and I think he's going to be really tough to beat. With that being said, I got Danny Jacobs in this one. I'm rolling with Danny Jacobs. Um, Danny Jacobs, you hit it on the head. He is a bigger, more technical boxer um, than Triple G is. He is considerably larger. Canelo has always struggled, and we've seen this with guys who are bigger than he is, and not only who are bigger than he is, who can absorb punishment. Danny Jacobs could do that. Yes, he got knocked out early in his career, but again, who gives a damn? Everybody gets touched. That's a long time ago. We also did not know... For those of you who don't know, Daniel Jacobs is a cancer survivor. That was prior to him leaving, having to leave boxing for exactly. his cancer. We don't know where his body was at the time that he was knocked out. But yeah. shit, he got knocked the fuck out. But you know what? <laughs> that actually, after that fight, is when they found out. Yeah. It yep. was right after that fight is when they found out. So if he was struggling that far, I can legitimately make an argument that that is possibly the reason why his body wasn't there working for him. Coming from Have you somebody, seen that knockout? Yes. And again, coming from somebody who had to... That is the reason... I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but that's the reason why I stopped competing. I had cancer. So I had to stop competing because of that. And the fact that Danny Jacobs is somebody that was able to actually get back up and continue and finding that grit to keep going. I started a company. I was doing different things. And at the end of the day, I like talking shit about the sport more than I wanted to get punched in the face. Danny Jacobs was farther along in his career and he was ready he was already there um i was about a fight away from turning pro he was already a pro right so i i got so much love for danny jacobs because of that and the fact that he was able to pick himself up from that situation he was able to pick himself up dust himself off and then go back there and be a dog um i think he's going to cause fits for uh canelo I think he's honestly, I think he's going to beat Canelo up. I see it being a good fight, but I see every scenario that I break this down, I see him fighting long. I see him getting hit and not getting hit. Now, granted, I think Canelo's one of the best counter punchers in the game. And he's become, he's another boxer puncher. So you're going to have guys who, who, again, two guys fight high, two, both guys have a fight high IQ. But. One thing that I've always stood on is a big skill guy is going to be a little skill guy. Daniel Jacobs is just as skilled as Canelo is and is bigger. And I'm with you. I see this being a finish. And again, the reason it is a finish because we all know if it goes to a decision, they always find a way to bless Canelo with that win. Look at Ereslandi Lara. Lara won that fight. I don't think anybody questions it anymore. They still gave it to Canelo. That first uh, Gennady Golovkin fight, I can argue a draw. I understand a draw. 
but most of us figured why he that he uh, Gennady Golovkin won that fight. Also, think about the close fights he has. The only decision was against Mayweather, and you got your mug, you got your butt whooped for twelve rounds, and that's why they weren't going to get that. And that wasn't unanimous. There was a draw. I know it was a, it was a it was a split draw. Some yeah, some ridiculousness. There there was a there was a draw, and for anyone that saw that fight, it was anything but anything close to a draw. It, it complete it was a domination. Draw on one card, right? Yeah, it was a draw on one card, but right. I mean that card alone. I mean that was like a one ten one eighteen fight. Yeah, easily it's ridiculous, man. So, but uh, look, I got I got Danny Jacobs um, winning that one, and um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's gonna be super dope. I wish I would have known you were picking Danny Jacobs. I probably would have picked Canelo. <laughs> have some fun. Nah, dude, I feel you, man. Um, any last thoughts on uh, on this one? I'm excited for Danny Jacobs. He, uh, I think Danny Jacobs beat Triple G. Um, so I did too. I had him. I had him winning that fight. Yeah. So I, I think it's been a long time for them to, and maybe he's been avoided. Uh, but it's been it's taken a while for him to get this top level fight again. He hasn't fought anybody very noteworthy since that Triple G loss. So I'm happy to see him back at the top level. I really hope he can make it happen. I mean, personally, for me, Danny Jacobs is everything I like in a boxer. Yeah. Like the way he the way he represents himself. He speaks very, very well. He does a lot for the community. Of course, he's a New York guy, a cancer survivor really a great all-around person the type of person that you want representing your sport 100 he, he he is one of if not the best represent representatives of the sport and again one thing that i really respect up respect from him is that he is he's a dog he don't back down from nobody look he got right into jamal charlo's face don't nobody get into Jamar Charlo's face. He saw him stopped on a, and and you know, I am the biggest Jamar Charlo fan. This dude stopped on a dime and said, "Ooh, there you are." Walked up to him and kept rocking like, "Yo, I have so much respect for Danny Jacobs, and I'm with you." He beat Triple G. He did. I I I've watched that fight multiple multiple times. Triple G didn't win that fight. I almost first of all I think what I was saying before about he speaks well in athletes in general that's black athletes that's something that's very underrated and if you've been if you've had the displeasurable uh, experience of listening to Javante Davis talk speak you you realize how valuable it is for a black athlete to really be able to articulate himself um, on a microphone during interviews that is important and not everybody is able to Um, black athletes across the board honestly and basketball players are a little bit better at it they're used to speaking but in boxing you don't always get the best I'm not going to get too too far uh, off base there but in terms of that situation, I believe that was at Barclays. Yep. It wasn't like Danny Jacobs was walking down the hallway and ran into Jamal Charlo. They were both in the building. I believe it was a fight that night. There was a fight. They were both in the building. I believe and it you, was uh, you know, Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz. Okay. If you know anything about Jamal Charlo, the Charlo brothers, the way they are, very outspoken on social media, very flamboyant personalities. Charlo was talking shit on Twitter about the whole division, including Daniel Jacobs. You are in Brooklyn. 
Daniel Jacobs is from Brooklyn. You are in my city, and you think you're going to just be here popping shit on social media. That's actually what's not going to happen, because I am here. And a lot of other boxers, they probably would have strayed away from this, let him speak, and I wouldn't he be mad at that. All I mean, the smoke. He pulled up on you. Like, this is my fucking city. You're not going to talk shit about me. What's good? Hey, dude. Hey, and, hey. And, and Charlo definitely, it's not like he backed down, but he curbed a little bit of that enthusiasm. He did. Hey, he respected it. You can tell he respected it. You know what I'm saying? Um, Yo, I don't think it. I got a quick story time. So when I first started this podcast, um, and as of today, it is a year from my first time I recorded an episode. We didn't post the episodes to the end of March, but my first time I recorded was actually the 28th of February. Hey, man, congrats, man. That's huge. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you, and man. I, and I also want to mention from, from before, I know that was a big deal, sharing, sharing your whole cancer situation. That's very dope. Oh, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, hey, you know, like I said, I, I, I've talked about it um, a couple times um, on the show. I I just want people to know it's something that was is a part of my story, but it's something that doesn't identify me. You know what I'm saying? I'm never one of those guys that hangs my hat on it. You know, I don't use it as an excuse for why I didn't compete, didn't continue competing. It stopped me from competing, but at the end of the day, it was my choice to move on to something else. Um, but um, yeah, man, it happened. Like I said, man, I'm, I'm I'm walking around with one testicle lighter, but I'm still alive, bitches. I'm here, <laughs> and that's important. You know what I'm saying? Hey, and everything works, so we good. Uh, but uh, but yo, um, so when I first started this podcast, um, and I still do this from time to time, I do my um my prospect alerts, where I go ahead and I shout out uh, a fighter that people might not know might not be household names just yet but i super i really respect them and i want to show light to them on my page right so he was the second prospect alert i ever posted and i'm talking about jamal charlo i've been following the charlo twins for about four or five years at this point you know I, i'm a big fan i've been watching them since like i said yeah they were about at 10 fights like i, was, I started really watching both of them so huge fan Jamal is one of my favorites and uh so I made him a prospect alert. Fam. He jumps on uh on uh on my IG and tries to tell me he was like, "Man, you know, I could prospect. I ain't no prospect. Obviously, you don't know shit about boxing, right?" He rips it and just just tries to jump down my neck. Yo, my exact response to him was laughing my fucking ass off. I was like, "Fam, I was like, did you not read? I was like, I'm over here trying to show you some love. And I was like, the fact that you went ahead, and I did, you can look at our IG, you can see that I said this. I was like, the fact that you went ahead and are responding to me, somebody with, at that point in time, two posts, says more about you than it does about me. And then I can't stop. My girlfriend jumped down his neck too. And he then he was then after that, now he follows the fight podcast. So all the love for Jamal Jamal and Jamel Charlo. Uh but yo, buddy's aggressive. And, and that's one thing that I appreciate about him too though. Right? Is that he loves his craft and he feels so proudly about what he does. Is that if any if he feels any disrespect out of any direction, and that's how he fights also. So look, I'm not mad at it. I understand the fighter's heart, uh, but I also have to let him know it's like fam. Look, I'm not some like Cheeto eating you know keyboard warrior, homie. 
Like, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, it is what it is. It really all depends on your definition of prospect, because if you think about a year ago, Jamal Charlo, Jamal Charlo wasn't really a prospect at that point. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the the general public, he still was sort of a, pro- a prospect, not to boxing fans, but for the general exactly. to the general public. And you were ju- you were just starting out exactly. for you to be so for you to be praising him and for him to come and try to jump down your throat. That definitely rubs me a wrong way slightly. It was tacky, man. Oh, by the way, like. Yo, I had to crack up, man, because I looked up, man, my girl. I had like like five people jump down his neck on social media about it. They're like, yo, this dude's trying to big up you and you trying to talk trash when he's trying to big up you. Look, it was nuts. Um, it was one of those things that it was my first interaction. And since then, I've had many interactions over the last year with fighters. And I've and I've um, and the cool thing about it is once they have an opportunity to talk to me, they understand that I know what I'm talking about and I'm not just some fan. Right. They're like, OK, they respect the fact that I'm out here. You know, I, I could actually talk it and I study and I love the sport. And so so I've had great opportunities to be able to talk to multiple people in that time period. He didn't know me from Adam. I get it. Um, it's just at this point now, it's just funny. Shit, I'm definitely more of a keyboard warrior myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no, nah, man. But this is the thing. I, but you love the sport. You understand the sport. And again, there's a big difference with people who like yourself, you know, and people who, again, they see fighters going at it. They're like, oh, what are they doing? They don't know what's going on. Like, fam, like, what are you talking about? You know? So. Wait, hold up. Say that again. You I, might I, I, got a, I, I got a freestyle question for you. You want to take it? Yeah, I got you. Come on now. All right. So this isn't on the agenda, but your boy, this, and you reminded me of this just now, a former prospect alert. Okay. Joe Joyce yes was in a fight this weekend yeah he fought and beat the uh, I believe it was sixth round TKO S- yeah Bermain Stavern yep a former Deontay Wilder opponent twice who you probably remember more so from the first round knockout the second time around what did you think of his performance and where does he go next <sighs> um I caught you off guard. No, no, no. Well, the thing about it is something that I, I actually almost put on the agenda. But, so, okay, so talking about the fight itself. Joe Joyce, he he's, the fight itself, he looked good. He did get cracked early in the first round uh, with a big shot by Bermain Severn. But Bermain Severn was heavier than he's ever been. He looked sloppy. This isn't the same Bermain Severn who was a former title holder. This is not the, the same Bermain Severn who fought Deontay Wilder the first time when Deontay Wilder originally won his belt. Um, Joe Joyce impressed me on a couple of things. His, the combinations that he threw, he's very active for, for a heavyweight. He's long... But he also, and this is my opinion, he looks slow at times. He has good footwork. He moves away. He's a big guy. He's 33 years old and he only has eight fights. The person he's been calling out is Luis Ortiz. 
if he fights Luis Ortiz, it, it's, it's so my my thing with Joe Joyce is this: it's hard to see where he goes from here, because um, what they they fight for with um, they're there trying to think what could work. Joseph Parker would be an interesting fight. Um, I don't know if you want to throw them him that high yet. I wouldn't mind seeing him fighting somebody of that caliber. Um, I think that would be a fun fight. I think Dylan White does work to him. I think Lewis Ortiz puts the thumpers on him. I think if Big Baby wasn't fighting Anthony Joshua, that would be a, an interesting fight. It's going to be difficult. But he did go out there and beat somebody who you see that's somebody with name recognition. I'm just trying to I'm really am just kind of going through my head trying to think where he could fight next, being a 33-year-old guy with only eight fights. Well, let me give you some time to think. I got a few hot takes in this fight. Go ahead. Is that all right? Yeah, go do your thing. Stavern looked fucking bad. He looked <laughs> terrible, bro. He looked terrible. He came out there round one. I was like. Ooh, you look like shit. That is your last payday. Famo. He, 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 not... he looked he look like the dude who works at your, like, cafeteria. He was like a school janitor. That's what the hell he looked like. We won't see him on TV. And this was only the zone. We won't even see him there ever again, uh, if you ask me. Never. I, think, I think that was the now, thing, honestly. Joe Joyce didn't really look that impressive to me. I think he got hit with that right a lot. So he needs to probably work in his D a little bit. That's something that he should be able to adjust to. That being said, the fact that he didn't adjust to it also lets me know that it probably wasn't affecting him. It probably wasn't landing with as much power as it may have appeared because the Bermain Stavern fucking looked terrible. He looked he was, so he was, bad. Yeah, after that first round, the first shot he got blasted with was a solid shot in the first round. But after that, those shots, you can tell he was gassed. And even to the point when that 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 um that finishing flurry happened and the and it was again, it was a TKO. Did you notice how he looked at the ref and I'm pretty certain he said something along the lines of thank you for stopping that? I didn't catch that. This was again part of those baby shower fights. Some of the commentary was a little, a little bit off. Yeah, I, and I was getting judged from so many angles, so I, I didn't get all of the commentary. But I also think, from an offensive perspective, he needs to be able to finish these. He's supposed to have a little bit more pop in his punch than that. Bermain's Stavern is standing there, a super stationary target. But Bermain Stavern, regardless, he is a durable guy. Yes, he got hit by Thor in that. In that hammer but remember he's the first guy that actually lasted the distance with Deontay Wilder so he can take a punch yeah he can take a punch but he's not doing anything you're a heavyweight sit down on your punches and get this guy out of there you don't get paid for overtime it's not now, a situation where you needed rounds I understand that you may have been scared of him coming back with that overhand right and there was not a minute of the fight in which you lost, but you need to get him out of there. People, he's 33, as you mentioned. He's not a young prospect. He's just young in terms of his uh, in terms of his professional fight career. So you have to get a guy like like that out of there in impressive fashion if you want to start drawing in some of these top fighters. Now, I think he's one step away from breaking 
getting into tier one of the division, which to me is about five to six fighters. Yeah. I think he needs to fight one of those guys like a Dominic Brazil, actually, like a, a Charles Martin, someone who yep. has gotten destroyed by AJ or Wilder in their path, in their path, but has done okay for themselves outside of that. He needs a name like that. And he needs to get them out of there. So I think Bermain Stavern was a good opponent. You get him someone right out, someone else that's right outside. He needs somebody in one. that same realm. Yeah, I, I think I think an Ortiz or a Dylan White is just too much for him just yet. Even though if they make that fight, hey, I would love it. But I think he needs one more step up in competition before he really tries to go after that top tier of heavyweight uh, boxers right now. I agree. No, no, I'm with you. Um, Dominic Brazil is actually somebody I was thinking of, but just because I know they're talking about him with Wilder, I was kind of keeping him off the mix. Um, I think, honestly, realistically, Dominic Brazil would be the fight to make. Yeah, that would be uh, the one. I think the Parker fight makes sense as well. Yeah, uh, Parker Parker has a uh, you know two pretty big losses, mm-hmm. so people have forgotten about him a little bit. Yeah. That'd be a good measuring stick fight for, honestly, the both of them. Absolutely. I, I, th- I think it'd be great. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it, it's it's just because of how bad Bermain Severn looked, it's really still hard to judge um, to judge him. It, it was just, Severn looked bad, man. You know, what else, bad. you know what else is so bad about Bermain Severn? He's... He, he may be worse at interviewing than he is at fighting. Dog. I listened Whoa. to some of those interviews leading up to the fight, and I felt so bad for the guy interviewing him because, like, they had to really carry the interview because he fucking sucked. And being a boxer is hard. I'm, hopefully he's made some good paydays, managed his money well. But Bermain Severn, like, listen. I, you know what? To, for, go, for go, ride, sa- go ride off into the sunset. Fam, for his sake, I hope he goes fishing. Like he he needs to take a seat. Um, it, it's just uh, I've we've seen him take too many beatings recently, and obviously he's not taking care of his body the same way, so he's not as invested. And if that happens, that's how people end up getting man put out real bad. Haiti can't take it right now. We can't take those type of L's. Just uh, Nashville, we, Haiti cannot take it right now. So for the sake uh, of the country. Oh, they man. already got enough going on. Bro, you Haitian? Just, yes, I am. Man, sac passe, my brother. Yeah, man. My father works in Port- Port-au-Prince. And oh, so it's, it's been real dangerous for him lately. There's a lot going on. I guess that's not And Yeah, it's, it's not not what's up from that perspective. But uh, yeah, the country has a lot going on. We, we don't need Bermain Stavern at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I feel you, man. Hey, look. Uh Hey, only reason I know, man, uh, a couple of my best friends are Haitians, so I, I, grew, I grew up with the culture. Speaking, speaking of Haitians, one thing I had meant to say, and I forgot to say a bit earlier, what Fury is doing is very um, Adonis Stevenson-esque. 100%. 100 percent man and Yo. people and oh, i hope he, he's still in recovery i hope all is going well please understand that yep. to all the listeners yeah i would never you know speak bad about bad about somebody in terms of their recovery process i wish him to, that he gets back to full health nobody there's not many boxers or boxing fans that like bermaine severn I mean, i'm sorry not adonis stevenson for the most part even myself he didn't fight station, anybody I, I couldn't stand him. Yeah. I could not stand him. He he represented so much of what's wrong with boxing in 
holding up that belt for so long. Yeah. Oh my! It, yeah. it was disgusting. With this is during Kovalev's reign, during Kovalev's prime, and Kovalev wanted that fight, and Adonis just wouldn't let it happen. Yeah, he didn't. Andre, he, he didn't want to smoke. Andre War comes through. He don't want to smoke. Andre War retires. Now he wants to smoke. Yeah, he talking now. Like get out of it. Get out. Of it. Get off that man. Yeah. No, Every, that, so I didn't respect that. Tyson Fury could fall into that same trap. That that's how I'm feeling about Tyson Fury right now. Oh, that a, type of dislike. And maybe even thing. worse. He he's Tyson Fury, not only is Tyson Fury falling into that trap, to me that's who Tyson Fury is right now. Like I got no love at this point point in time. Um we bought the story, we bought the sob story, all of it. And now you have an opportunity to run it back and it's going to be bigger. It is going to be by far the biggest payday of your life that you're ever going to see. Legacy and everything. And you're going to make us wait like that? Nah, no love, man. But all right. All right. I'm with this. Is how we're going to finish up today, man. Uh, we got a big, big, big pay-per-view coming up this weekend. One of the most stacked UFC cards of the year. UFC 235 headlined by John Jones and Anthony Smith co-mained by the welterweight champion Tyron Whitley fighting Kamaru Usman my bruh I know like I said we talked about it a little bit I just want to get your your thoughts man you don't even got to give me picks man but you can give me what you thought man what, what are your thoughts on this event coming up this week I got picks for you give me my picks man let me hear I got, I got picks for you uh, listen I, I'm not in the business of picking against John Jones Sorry, he's he's too good at too much, and he is a killer in the way that he comes in there and executes a game plan to perfection, like to perfection. In the way he beat steroids aside, you know that's something else. Whatever, um, not much I can do about it. He's still fighting. In his last win against uh, DC, and then his his fight prior against Gustafan, however you pronounce it. Game plan. He came in there and executed so perfectly. We saw saw that DC uh, dips his head head down to the left. We were waiting for it, and we hit him with a kick in a fight that he was losing at that point. Okay, comes back. If he didn't didn't finish DC, DC won that fight. That was, what round was that? That was like... Third round. It was in the third uh, round, but DC won the first two handily. It was still a five-round fight, though. But I'm saying, if he didn't finish him, DC was about to cruise. He was cruising at that point. It was round three. There's still three, four, and five. So, I mean, mean, the fight could have easily turned. But he was definitely winning convincingly. Okay. He was winning convincingly. Yeah, I'm going to argue. I'm going to argue this week. Uh, The Shade, I I didn't even talk about The Shade. Go ahead, talk about it. That's long ago. It's in the past. We're going to let it go. Um, so I'm not in the business of picking against John Jones. He just does too much, too well. I'm not familiar, that familiar with his opponent. And I probably will never, never will be after this fight because John Jones will more than likely finish him. I think everything that has gone wrong with John Jones' career, as a maybe not from a legacy perspective, but from a fighter perspective, I think it helps him. It's given him time to really get his mind right and the mental toughness that he's had to develop Mm -hmm. with all that time out of the ring. 
it, it helps build character. It helps bi- build fight character, something that he needs. And I believe John Jones, he there's not a fight that he's going to take where he doesn't have this chip on his shoulder. Because he always has a chip in his shoulder to prove himself because everybody's always going to question him. Once you get that steroid asterisk by your name, there's always going to be a question mark. We didn't mention that with Canelo, but that's still a question mark even there. So I think he's always going to have something to prove. Because of that, he's always going to come and put on amazing performances. I think he wins. I agree with you. I think you may have said submission. I'm going to go TKO uh, strikes because he could have submitted Gustafan and he just wanted to beat the shit out of him. And I mm-hmm. think because he has something to prove, he's going to beat the shit out of Anthony something. Smith. Kirk Smith. He's going to, I think, probably around around second, third round. But yes, I see um, I see John Jones winning there. Tyron Woodley, my favorite fighter. I also don't know much about Usman yet. Um, I know they were friends friends in the past, but as long as Woodley is his hand or wrist is healthy, Woodley really, really seems like a fighter to me that has settled in nicely to his prime. He's really dialed in right now, and he's in a zone where I just don't think Usman is close to that level. I think Tyron Woodley is just a fighter in his prime, and he's going to take care of business by knockout no I, I'm, I'm with you man I, I, I think uh, I will say this I, I think in terms of Anthony Smith John Jones Anthony Smith is extremely dangerous he's somebody that if John Jones takes lightly could knock him out I, but I, I agree with you in terms of I think that John Jones is seemingly more hungry than I've ever seen him. And that's scary if you really if you're thinking about that. You know, he's out there, he's really getting to the point that he it seems like he wants it. Doesn't care who it is. Um I haven't seen this from him since he was a prospect, you know? So uh I, I see him winning that fight, but Anthony Smith wins that fight a couple different ways. Um and here's the thing if you want to make money, put one hundred percent put money on Anthony Smith. Why didn't you tell me that about the Brandon Rios fight this weekend? You should have told me to make money there. <laughs> uh, but I, I feel like this, man. Um, Anthony Smith, I'll say this is where you put money on him. If you look at how many strikes Anthony Smith takes, and I'm, I, I'll do this quick breakdown for it because I, I did it um, on the last episode of the podcast. Um, but I'll say this. Anthony Smith absorbs more shots than he generally delivers, which says one thing. That tells me that he's a dog. That tells me that he's gritty, he's rough, and he doesn't mind taking shots to deliver a shot. And here's the thing. Even though fighters a lot of times tend to outstrike him four and a half to four per round, he's still somebody who has a very, again, a lot of fights. He's gritty. He doesn't mind getting hit. And if he gets taken down, he does an incredible job of getting back to his feet as well as attacking with submissions. So if John Jones at any point in time does not come fully prepared to compete or he makes a mistake, Anthony Smith could take advantage of it. Do I think he's going to make that mistake? No. But there's opportunities for that. So I understand if somebody wants to pick Anthony Smith for that. Um, in terms of Usman and Tyron Woodley, look, fam, Tyron Woodley it does everything that Usman does, but better. He's a better wrestler. Go ahead. What are you about to say? Finish this. I, I had... 
finish this. I have more more of a question. Yeah, yeah. And I was just he's a better wrestler. He has more knockout power. Um, he's faster. He's more explosive. I I don't see. I th- I think Usman can give him a good fight, but I also see Tyron Woodley finishing him. As he should, and Tyron Woodley will more than likely win this fight. I also believe Ashburn will win. What is the what are the rules in the UFC where you have people that are fighting on the same team that are at the top of the division? There are no rules. Uh, some fighters just won't fight each other. Um, and honestly, what seems some, like it's like, about to will, happen? Will they strip? Will, will they strip a belt or anything? No, for what? I mean, if teammates won't fight each other, but they're at the top of the division, what's oh, the situation? They, they, I mean, fighters usually make a choice. What weight class are you going to fight in then? If you don't want to fight me, we're the two top guys in the title. Um, but here's what seems like it's going to happen. It seems like there's actually about to be a 165-pound weight class opened up in the UFC. Um, and just MMA in general, that's something that's been talked about a lot. And uh, a lot of us truly believe it's going to happen. Ben Askren will probably move down to... Um, to a buck 65 Tyron Woodley will stay at 170 but Tyron Woodley says that if he goes ahead he fights um he wants to fight three times this year he wants to fight now he wants to beat up Kamar Usman in July he wants to beat up Kobe Covington and he says he wants to at the end of the year fight for 185 pound ship do you think the Kobe Covington fight gets made I am becoming less enthusiastic and that's because I think Kobe Covington is making all of the wrong moves. Everything that he's doing, um, I think he he played the biggest entitled person I've ever seen. He he was super entitled. He thought he was buddy buddy with the with the president, and he found out that look, you're just another guy. You don't have that many Twitter followers. You're not that popular on social media, and your comedy sucks. Nobody wants to see you fight. Did he really find out he was the guy? That, what, did he really find out he was just a regular guy? Or did he make a business decision to not get his ass beat by Tyron Woodley? Because they've been in camp before. Both. They both, but they've both been... I think, uh, I think it's they both. They've both been outspoken about it. He's had an opportunity to fight him twice. He's turned him down twice. Business decisions. That, that sounds like a business decision to me. One hundred percent, man. But yo, yo, uh, any thoughts on the rest of the card before we get out of here? That's that's all for me. I, I'm I'm trying. I'm still trying to familiarize familiarize myself with a lot of other things going on in the card. I will be watching out for Jeremy Stevens. Uh, obviously, I mentioned I'll be watching out for Ben Askren in his UFC de- yeah. debut. Uh, pay attention so, to Zabit, who Jeremy Stevens is fighting. It's the best prospect to, I've ever seen. One of them. Yeah, he's, he's, he's 16, 16 and one. I was looking a little bit at his Instagram today, so I will be tuning in. Um, still coming along with that UFC knowledge, but <laughs> one 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 day, one day. Our MMA knowledge. Apologies, apologies. Fam, good God, man. <laughs> it's all good, bro. It's all good, man. And look, hey, you'll get it eventually. What'd you say? So so the way I see it is UFC just kind of has a boovers advantage. Like, I feel like you could say you're 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 about to Uber somewhere and still take a lift. Nah, bro. It's just some. Nah, of, it's just some nah, of those bro. words that just nah, take bro. over. Nah, bro. Nah, bro. The UFC is the nah, brand. Bro. So nah, bro. You can say UFC, nope. and you can nope. find Bellator. Nope. No, you cannot. Don't disrespect the sport. 
are we are we disrespecting taxi cab drivers when I mean we just we just get Uber. That's just what it is. No, I, two I, different things. I, I, I am I am tweaking. I, I'm working on it. I'm working. <laughs> All right, my dude. Yo, uh, back here, man. Same time, same place next week, my guy. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime, man. Yo, Brandon Camille, real quick, brother. Where can they find you? They can find me on social media, Instagram, bcam13. That's bcam with two M's, B-C-A-M-M, one, three. And on Twitter for bcam, as bcam thinks, B-C-A-M thinks. Boom. There it is. B, I appreciate you, brother. We'll wrap soon, man. Yes, sir. All right. Yes, sir. All right, man. Peace out. All right, right, right. This is the Fight Podcast. And yo, this has been a great episode, man. We had a lot of fun. I want to thank Brandon Camille once again for joining me on the show. He'll be back next week. And in fact, I think he's actually going to be back sooner, man. We're going to actually have him come back and he's going to talk about and break down this uh, upcoming UFC 235. He's pretty much going to be in the post fight show with me. So uh, keep your eyes and ears open for that. Um, with that being said, this is Serge Vicente, man. Thank you guys once again for joining me on episode 88, 88 of the Fire Podcast. Um, we'll be back again very soon. We have a lot more coming for you guys. And remember, the Fire Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fire Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fire Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Purchase merch today. Go ahead and put an order in, and we will actually get that to you. Um, Thank you guys once again, and I will see you next time right here on the Fight Podcast. Peace out, good people.